0: Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by Getter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Pauchner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. In today's episode, Technology Editor Noah Newman talks to Brian Seavers, an Illinois no-tiller who broke the 100-bushel barrier with non-GMO soybeans.
1: First, just kind of tell me about your operation a little bit, just the basics, you know, how many acres, where you're located, crops, uh, you know, all all, those, those kind of things.
2: Okay. Potomac, Illinois,
1: East Central Illinois, we
2: farm corn and soybeans, and we farm around 5,000 acres, and it's me and my two sons farm together. My grandpa and my dad, and now me, so the third generation, um, but we don't own a whole lot. We basically cash rent, Okay. So we own a little, but yeah, so we've been farming for some of the same landlords for three generations.
1: Now, now, how long have you guys been no-tilling, and are you hundred percent no-till or just partially? Year, uh,
2: we uh, are hundred uh, percent no-till on the soybeans, and we strip-till our corn.
1: Oh, great! So
2: that's close to no-till. So,
1: and then, <laughs> all right. Now, do you remember, like, when you guys first started no-tilling, or what the motivation was behind it? Getting things done in a
2: timelier manner than having to work all those acres. Um, and if I was guessing, I'd say around 2013 would be pretty close. Okay. 10 years, more or less.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Uh, and the strip
2: tilling hasn't been doing that long, but the no-till beans has. Yes.
1: Now, were there any challenges when you first started no-tilling that you could think of? Like, what was like the biggest learning curve?
2: Uh, buying equipment that would do it better. You know, trying to do a good job. You know, on the planter, et cetera, that was a big challenge for us. You know, making you know, not a lot of people were doing it. You know, and so learning um, from from people that I trust, whether that be a dealer or a farmer that was also doing it at the time.
1: You know, what kind of planter is it, and then what what are some okay. of the unique features on it?
2: Okay, it's a John Deere DB60 that plants beans, and I got a John Deere DB80 that I plant corn with. It's a 40-foot planter, 15-inch, so it's 32. Yeah, 15-inch row planter, 32-row, 1790 John Deere. Um, Both of them have precision all over them, basically from the downforce to uh, the trench whippers to the units. Basically, spiked spiked, uh, closing wheels. Uh, On the beans, we use... uh, a heavier duty spike than i do on the strip till bar so the cast ones um, i also with my strip till corn i apply a starter fertilizer through a keaton basically in the row uh, and that three gallons and then i also put 20 gallons of 32 on two by two on the side with bandits
1: gotcha and then what's your highest soybean yield that you've ever had we had
2: uh, 102
1: on a 20 acre plot once. <laughs> wow. What year was that? Two years ago? So yep. you're in the 100, uh, 100 bushel club, so uh, yep. Let's, yep. let's jump into that uh, field, I guess. Just what was your if you could just want to take me through the process um, starting from harvest the previous year of just you know how you got that field ready and what you had to do to prepare it throughout the season to, to get to the 100 bushels.
2: Sure. I mean, we don't work it obviously, even with an accelerator or anything. So basically, we uh, we don't apply fall chemicals. So We have all non-GMO beans, also. So um, in that plot, basically, you know, we use uh, residual chemicals up front with the burn down, and then we use dinofenol ether, you know, which is a you know. Uh, and all sorts of other chemicals together in our, uh, in our mix. Now we use, uh, we use fungicide, Briaxor, um, and we use a product that has some nitrogen and a little, uh, potash in it too. Um, we do use some trigger movers in that and we spray it plenty of times. <laughs> we sprayed that one plenty of times. Now on our, on, across the board, basically, we do uh, fungicide on everything, you know, along with our chemicals on the third pass and insecticide. Um, and we do use um, sugar movers and, for lack of a better word, um, snake oil <laughs> 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 on some. And we do see some results occasionally when Mother Nature cooperates. You know, and sometimes it's hard to get Mother Nature to cooperate. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have anything irrigated, obviously. So, uh, you know, we need her to help cooperate. But uh, the no-till has, uh, I mean, originally, I think I said this, the reason we went to it was for labor purposes. You know, we just couldn't get across all those acres and work ground and, you know, chisel it and everything else. And that was the reason we started it. And then after that, basically the uh, the reason was it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean we do we do spend more money in chemicals than a lot of people. You know, we do that um, basically because of non-GMO. So, yeah, but if we were just you know using Roundup ready stuff or or whatever, we would still you know we would use less chemicals. But um, you know, for non-GMOS, we have to use. A little bit different story. You'd be hard-pressed to find my fields next to anybody else's because we do take pride in, in our weed control. So, mm-hmm. But that's many trips across the field, too.
1: What would you say Correct. is the biggest key to weed control?
2: Taking care of your corn. So doing the right thing in corn, putting residuals in corn, and spraying them three times. That goes a long ways to having a clean bean field. So, in other words, you got to take care of your cornfield first. So, for the next year, you don't have any weeds in your corn and you don't have any weeds in your beans. Wow. A lot of people, I think a lot of people just making one pass, no, no residuals and things like that. And they have watched them, uh, non GMO people uh, end up uh, quitting non GMOs because they can't keep the weeds under control. But to me, to me, it's uh, timing. And, you know, using using chemicals that work and residuals are number one. So, you know, you can't have a clean bean field without having a clean corn field to begin with the year before.
1: Ah, well so, said. Well said. Yeah. yeah, you know, some of the other people I've interviewed, uh, you're the first uh, person that uses non-GMO soybeans. So what's the biggest difference for you for someone using non-GMO soybeans? What, what are some of the unique challenges you have to deal with that other people don't have to consider?
2: Sure, sure. I mean, we have to clean out everything, you know, when we go from corn to soybeans when we're combining. Of course, you got trucks, you got hunger carts, you got combine. It takes basically 24 hours. I mean, it takes a whole day to clean everything out, to go from one to the other, and make sure you don't have anything hidden in the corners, you know, and things like that. Um, that's a big thing, and paying attention to the weeds, not just I mean, us spraying our own—that's what helps us a lot. Ain't nothing against the fertilizer company, but when you're taking care of your own stuff and don't have to take care of twenty different farmers at the same time, you know, non-GMOS are hard to hard to control. You know, hard to control the weeds. You got to stay on top of that. That's that that and cleaning everything out—it's a pain, but it's worth it in the end. It's the reward in the end. That makes everything you know better you know I did get tested when they go to the elevator you know to our end user and it has to pass can't have any Liberty Link and any uh, GMO products in it so they test the beans and you don't want it to fail because then you don't get the premium then you have to go dump it in a regular elevator so cleaning out of everything is very important and cleaning out of chemicals too i mean when we go spraying from corn to soybeans we have to clean out the sprayers you know to uh to make sure we don't kill our beans yeah you know yeah so that's another major thing so yeah technically it is cleaning the sprayer too so it's cleaning everything when you come down to it you clean the green bin that you put it in yeah you know make sure there's no anything left over because one bean can get you rejected Oh, wow. So, and then, you know, we obviously leave five foot around the borders of our neighbors' beans that are planting next to us because we can't take a chance of them, you know, grabbing any of their beans. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we go back later and combine that, take that to the elevator at the end of the year, basically. Oh, wow. so, so, there's there's a lot of attention. It's, it's a high maintenance type of thing to uh, achieve that goal of uh, 100% non GMO beans. So that's you know it, it just takes a lot of work, but it's worth it in the end when you when you get that premium. So, yeah. yeah. When did you makes a good makes a good marketer out of you when Uh-oh. you get a premium?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. When, when did yeah. you when did you start growing non GMO and what was like your big motivation for it?
2: Uh, 2013 and big motivation would be price. You know is. It, it is the fact that you know you're gonna get the premium so you know that's that that's kind of the motivator that took us to it the first time and you know that's that's what my dad grew many years ago before roundup come out so i knew it could be done um so that's you know that's why we we took the chance and tried to figure it out so
1: yeah <laughs> oh it's all worked out i'd say you said you, you spray it a lot. So, like, what are the exact details and the timings of the spray? Like, how do you do that?
2: Okay. So, after the planter rolls through the field the first time, that's when the fungicide and the residuals go on. And then, 21 days, and this is old school, but 21 days after emergence, we spray contact killers and a little bit of residual on there as well and then after that we'd have the fungicide pass and then with, uh with uh, with the nitrogen and uh and uh potash.
1: Oh okay. So, so you only apply nitrogen and potash to the field uh, one time or
2: yes. Yep. That's all we're doing right now. Yes. Yeah. But, it, but it's all liquid. You know, we do put potash on the field in the fall after harvest we apply the potash to the field. We split our fertilizer applications because with the strip till you know we're putting it in the row for the corn yeah and then you know basically we fertilize for each crop
1: do you know what rate of fertilizers you use yep, uh, it depends
2: we soil test so we variable rate our potash across the across the acres from the corn stalks standing corn stalks you know sometimes zero sometimes 250 across there so we utilize soil testing to uh to only apply what we need instead of over applying by any stretch of the imagination, especially with fertilizer costs the way they have been in the past.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Those have been definitely high costs. Um, So, so the high yielding soybean field, was that corn the previous year? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. Um, Do you use any cover crops with that or?
2: No, we don't. We are experimenting with that at present time. Um, Covered crops in our operation, for lack of a better word, it's just hard to get across to all the acres to do all of it. I am a board member of Illinois Soybean Association, and I'm trying cover crops. This would be my second year of it. So um, we are trying some, but in that case, it did not have cover crops on it. Oh, okay. That field.
1: Yeah, did, uh, did not. What kind of um, hybrid was it?
2: Uh, they were pioneer. My guess would be, without going back and looking records, it was 33 T-60s.
1: What was your seeding rate for
2: that field? That was 140,000.
1: 140,000, okay. And then do you remember the harvest population?
2: I mean, you say 130, probably. 135 would be my guess, because they all don't come up. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing production agriculture challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments designed to perform in varying planting conditions. Yetter products maximize your inputs, save you time and deliver return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to the conversation.
1: I remember, you told me your planter model. What what kind of harvester do you have?
2: Uh, Closs combines. Uh, that that year would have been a 750 Claws with a MacDon bean platform. Uh,
1: is there anything unique or or something you're paying attention to during that time period to get ready for harvest? Or
2: you know, just trying to keep an eye on bug pressure or disease pressure or anything like that. You know, and if there is something, then we go out there and hit it. You know, uh, we don't. You don't want to uh, you don't want to lose that potential throughout the year, you know. And obviously, early planning is the key too. That's why we have two planters, you know. Start on corn and beans at the same time, or beans before corn. And hardly anymore seems like that's what we do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, early planning is the key to high yielding soybeans. Also, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I I hear that a lot of a lot more people are trying to plan early. Does it just You just have to wait for the ground to warm up? or
2: Yeah, you should, but, you know, we're putting uh, a bunch of different seed treatments on our beans to kind of help them if you're planting. It's not 50 degrees yet. Uh, Seed treatment is a big key, too, for early-planted soybeans.
1: What are all the specific, you know, brand or names of of the seed treatments for that field?
2: That was uh, Averio. That would have been the seed treatment that my dealer, Pioneer dealer, would have put on them.
1: You know, overall, if you had a takeaway from that year when you re- reached 100 bushels per acre for the soybeans, just obviously weather had to play a big role in that too. But, you know, what what are some of your just big takeaways and uh, what really helped you achieve that kind of success that year?
2: <sighs> Spending money
1: on
2: on the the post applications of all the things. (laughs) I mean, cause we ran across that field more than we ever do, you know, with all the, all the special stuff that we put in it, you know, the you know, all the, all that stuff. Herbicide, uh, we do a pre before we plant. So we do a burn down obviously. And then, uh, and of course they're non GMO beans. So then we do a, uh, a trip in the, uh, you know, post 21 days later. Yeah. After they emerge. <laughs> yep. And after that, then we do a fungicide and insecticide at R2. Yeah. R1 to R3, somewhere in there, but shoot for R2. Okay. So, yeah. So three, pa- and, so
1: three passes, man. The pre, well, the post. We, and-,
2: and then, and then we'll do a shot of, uh, after that, we do a shot of uh, um, of nitrogen. And uh and some feel good stuff. Okay, I got <laughs> so, so there'd good. be four trips, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we might have even have made five in that one. So um I'd have to I'd have uh, I can go back and look at all my spray logs. You know, that's just that to get that you have to uh manage that field, in my opinion. You know, more than you can a normal field, you know, that you try for. So That that's that's the whole deal is trips across the field with all the all the different things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you kind of have to keep it pumped up throughout the growing season.
2: Yeah, keep it keep it keep it actively growing, reaching, and early planting date because that is the number one.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, so what was the planting date approximately for the first of April? And that's that's earlier than you you would do most of your other soybeans, or do you plant all your soybeans early? Nope, uh,
2: that planter goes out the same day as, as soon as Mother Nature says we can plant. Whether that be in March, first of April, end of April, first of May, when Mother Nature lets us, we roll.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. I, I've heard that that early soybeans. you know, why why is planting why is planting soybeans early? Why is that? Why is that the best way to do it? Do you think?
2: Just um, more
1: sunlight, more
2: days, more days of it able to grow. the sunlight and utilize photosynthesis and makes it all work a lot better so the earlier you can plant that that's a reason for two planters you know i mean not go out there and plant corn first and then change it all over and do beans is there any that's a reason for two
1: yep is there any you mentioned you put the potash on in the fall is there anything else Mm -hmm. you do before planting that kind of gets the the field ready
2: no, not really. I mean, as far as fertilizer or anything, you mean, or no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, no, no. That's all we do. It's pretty simple. We don't We don't get too crazy. Yeah. We we hope for 75 bushel beans every year, and we have not started yet, but they sure look awful good. They're early ones.
1: So, oh, that's good yeah. to hear. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll hit 100 again this year.
2: Uh, we might come close in one field that we did a little playing with we always what we do is play with the field to see what works and how it responds and then do an roi to decide whether it was worth it or not you know um, yeah doing doing that is important because sometimes the things you use don't pan out essentially but i mean the biggest the biggest the biggest variable in all of it is mother nature you know, that she is in control and we just all do what we can with what she gives us. Like this year, she gave us rain in the beginning and then she shut off for a month and a half.
1: Yeah, it was but, it was rough there for a while for a lot of people. I know that.
2: Yeah. If it wasn't for the derecho that came through here, we'd probably be having a different conversation. Oh, wow. When it came through and dumped rain on us, it was just in time. Yeah, Um, yeah. we had wind and, you know, had damage on buildings and trees, etc. But we were very, very lucky to have gotten that at the time. It didn't look like it as it was coming across and it was windy. That's
1: what
2: that's what saved our yields this year in this area. And probably a lot of areas. So in in through East central or through central Illinois as we sure. come
1: across. Interesting. I just remember seeing a picture of of a farmer's field in Auburn where his corn was completely flattened from the yep. from the derecho. Yeah,
2: yeah. Now see, we didn't get that. We didn't get that. But thank God. Yeah. But uh, it was windy. So <laughs> but
1: yeah. luckily we didn't get the flat fields. Which yeah, yeah, there
2: is some of them around that it happened to. That's for sure.
1: You know what? What's your ultimate like no-till truth? Like something about no-till that, that just it's that's key to making it really work. Anything come to mind? Well, I, and I'll go back to
2: just helping us get things done. Um, you know, I mean that's that's what makes it work. We're sa- We're saving the soil. You know, and and, and helping cut down on carbon usage because we're not out there running the tractors over it three times. You know um that's becoming a big deal that's why i'm trying the uh, cover crop but uh you know just taking baby steps on that so baby steps because yeah. from what i keep learning that it takes 4 years to get it around well you can't afford to lose money for 4 years to get it back to where it was you know right so <laughs> That's the. I mean, of course, you know, the government might make us do it this way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. I mean, I've
2: been point. been overseas with Soybean Association and seen how some of those people are regulated by the government. You know, we're fortunate here, but that'll probably happen here sooner or later. Oh. European Union's pretty hard on people over there about what you can apply and when you can apply it and everything else.
1: Yeah, so, that's that'd make it challenging, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we try to keep things as simple as possible. So, no-till has made that easy for us, in my opinion. Well,
1: yeah. so, well, you mentioned I you like to try something a little new on certain fields every year. Is there anything uh, new you're looking to try next year, or any, any anything on the horizon?
2: Uh, no, not necessarily. We'll wait and see what seed dealers suggest. You know, we uh, we do business with Helena here in Danville and they've always got ideas to try and we kind of take the uh, salesperson's word on things and that's how we try you know from their suggestions so they haven't come up with anything new for us to try for next year yet but i'm sure they will
1: no uh, there's always (laughs) something new yeah yeah there's always something you could try that's for sure have you ever have you used biologicals at all ever or yeah, we tried Tiva Bio this
2: year in corn. We have talked about something uh, as such on a uh, putting it on the bean planter for some liquid when we uh, first start planting. We haven't got to that yet, but mm-hmm. we will have the capability to try that if that's the case. So, I mean, uh, that's the that's would be the next step is putting some sort of starter with the beans, Yeah, I think. That would be a high-yielding thing for us to try. We've talked about it but have not got there yet. But mm-hmm. that may be something that we add to the planter this winter and try some of that.
1: Yeah, I remember talking to a pivot bio guy at the Farm Progress Show a couple of years ago. It's pretty interesting what they can do. So, yeah.
2: It is. It is. Um, and I don't know if it's a snake oil either. I'll give you a better answer here when I'm in the combine because we, uh, we did a lot of side-by-side of that for corn just to see how that's going to work. Well, I mean, there's a good chance that uh, we'll see we'll see how it yeah. works like I said we, we try things and we do trials of it and then uh, you know we got the ability with the combines obviously to uh, map yield and know where it's at so we're going to see if we can find those in the maps later so, do you, and if, if the biological works pivot bio we did cut back our nitrogen use on those on those fields so oh, that, that would be a cost savings in the end, too. Of course, that's corn. But
1: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you have your own sprayer? Yes, we do.
2: It's a Hagee SD21, two-year-old one. So we spray our own fungicide on corn also, tasseled corn.
0: Thanks to Brian Sievers and Noah Newman for today's conversation. A video and transcript for this episode are available at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. If you'd like to learn more bin-busting no-till soybean secrets, join me at the National No-Tillage Conference in January and learn from the dozens of no-till experts on the program. Go to no-tillconference.com and use code PODCAST when checking out to save $50. Many thanks to Yetter Farm Equipment for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening.